From KHOL, this is Jackson Unpacked, our podcast on news, music, and culture in Jackson Hole and around the Mountain West. I'm Tyler Pratt. Coming up on today's show, we look back at some of our favorite stories from 2023, like when we went mushroom foraging in the Tetons. It's the same thing with hunting elk. You don't reveal your favorite hunting area to your closest friends, and even then it's risky. And later, we dive into some of the best music from 2023 and our music director's predictions for what's coming up in 2024. Take risks, do what you feel, and uh, the results are probably going to be great. These stories and more coming up on Jackson Unpacked. Thanks for tuning in today. Just before the Christmas holiday, kids in Jackson got a huge surprise. A visit from Santa, who rode in on a helicopter. Kids at Jackson Elementary are playing outside the school just before they go home for winter break. Word has just gotten out that Santa is paying them a visit in a chopper, a brand new $7 million ship for Teton County Search and Rescue. Their foundation received around 2,000 donations for the fundraiser this year called Mission Critical, which may quicken response times and a hot spot for backcountry adventure. Don Watkins is a volunteer with the Search and Rescue Operation. This was just uh, a way for us to show our appreciation for the community, you know, all the support they gave us for Mission Critical and allowing us to get a hel- helicopter and, you know, really just uh, bring a little cheer to the kids. Um, yeah, it's all about the kiddos right now. Suddenly, off in the distance, the sound of rotor blades get louder, and the kids go bananas. Santa is landing. In his red suit and white beard, he runs over the icy field, flanked by elves and rescue gear while the kids scream. He takes time to hug hundreds of students, some who give him presents to deliver to other children. Some kids give him bracelets. <laughs> nice! And then in a flash, it's time for him to take off and head back to the North Pole. But he reminds everyone. The meaning of Christmas is love, family, and friendship. And Santa says if his sleigh ever breaks or his reindeer need a rest, now he's got a backup helicopter. You're listening to Jackson Unpacked, and we're returning to some of our favorite stories from the year. Speaking of helicopters, backcountry skiers in Jackson said goodbye to a cultural relic in 2023. A chopper flew away a green billboard covered in stickers from Mount Glory on the Teton Pass. And KHOL's Hannah Mersbach reported, locals were not happy. When I heard the big green billboard on top of Mount Glory was going to be taken down, I dropped everything. In Jackson, a town fueled by backcountry skiing, this was breaking news. I might come up and handcuff myself to it when they're trying to take it down to try to stop them. It's a horrible thing. That's the somewhat sarcastic Evan Flack. He's actually my roommate and was the only other person in the parking lot on a sunny afternoon on Teton Pass at the beginning of shoulder season. It's absolutely devastating. I'm more of a recreational glory skier. I've gone up a couple times this season, but Flack is hardcore. He goes up and snowboards down a couple times a week. I still remember the first time I snowboarded down it, and I think that uh, it's a big reason why a lot of people choose to spend their winters out here. Other than Snow King in downtown Jackson, Mount Glory is arguably the easiest way for locals to get in their uphill steps during the winter. The reflective green billboard can be seen just before you get to the top. 
You think you've made it, but there's one final push. I think the best way to explain the billboard is it's kind of like the shrine of the past. That's another avid backcountry skier, Sam Neerman. He says the billboard is a landmark on the 1,600-foot hike. I think each moment you pass it, you feel like you've made it. The billboard, which has been there for decades, was originally used to help connect landlines. But it became obsolete in the 2000s with satellites and other technologies. Later this year, the Forest Service says it'll be dismantled and flown away in a helicopter since nobody's maintaining it. Nearman's friend, Ben Rossiter, has been hiking the mountains since he was 11 years old. But he's not as nostalgic about the billboard. Apart from being a cool sticker holder, I really, it doesn't, doesn't phase me. Although locals lap glory before and after work, for many, the steep hike is still grueling. My head's usually down. I'm huffing and puffing when I'm up there anyway. It's hard to look up and see the damn thing. <laughs> but Rossiter is with a group of skiers on this sunny day who have a different take. There's a saying in Jackson, once you hike Mount Glory with someone, you're fast friends. But Not yeah. you go under the billboard. <laughs> <laughs> Hannah Mersbach, K-12 News. You're listening to Jackson Unpacked. Another story we enjoyed reporting this year, an effort is underway to document the region's fungi, the first of its kind in more than 40 years. K2L's Emily Cohen went foraging in the Tetons. It's a damp Saturday here in the Tetons, and 71-year-old Benji Sinclair is ready to hunt. Hunt for mushrooms, that is. More botany. I like to take people on walks, like what we're doing. This is my favorite thing. <laughs> and teaching people about the diversity. Outfitted with a canvas tote filled with field guides, Sinclair spots a mushroom alongside the trail. They're pretty. Little nipples. And I'm pretty sure these are edible. Not very tasty. And they're so small. You're not going to get much of a food, you know. Mushroom season here typically begins in late May and lasts through September ending when conditions get too dry or too cold. Learning about the diversity in the region is a group effort, partly because there isn't a field guide specific to mushroom species in the Tetons. The last survey specific to mushrooms in northwest Wyoming was in 1982. Until now. It's a wood mold? Yeah, it's definitely natural art, too. This spring, Sinclair formed a Facebook group to help document local mushroom varieties, an informal citizen science initiative that he hopes will one day lead to a field guide. An ecologist and local wildlife guide, Sinclair says his fascination with mushrooms is a relatively new hobby. I kept seeing really interesting mushrooms. The more I noticed them, uh, the more I wanted to photograph them. So I, I realized... There's no, like, local field guide for mushrooms. And some of them are incredibly fascinating and weird. Um, and the edible ones are delicious. Wild edible mushrooms like morels and chanterelles are a delicacy and usually sell for around $40 a pound, but can fetch as high as $200 depending on the conditions and supply. If you know how to find them, though, You've got yourself a free gourmet dinner. It's a, you know, a mystery. It's a, it's a treasure hunt. It's a real treasure hunt. So anybody can do it. 
and it gets you out and it's always just a delight to find edible mushrooms anywhere you go half the battle in the search for elusive edible mushrooms is understanding when and where to look burn scars dense forests riverbanks and they are often secret yeah most foragers don't want to talk about their spots for a good reason and hopefully they know that they're foraging sustainably by cutting their mushrooms off at the at ground level it's like it's the same thing with hunting elk you don't reveal your favorite hunting area to anybody your closest friends and even then it's risky Sinclair is hosting a mushroom talk at the Teton County Library this month about the edible, the dangerous, the deadly, and the just plain weird. Joining him is Luke Bruner, who studied mycology in graduate school. That's the science of fungi. That there's a concept of evolution being this battle between individuals, and that plays a role in diversification. And that's sort of our common knowledge of Evolution is this tooth and nail battle, but life itself is predicated on these mutually beneficial relationships. Bruner says he certainly appreciates a meal of sautéed chanterelles with garlic and butter, but is most fascinated by the role mushrooms play in the ecosystem. So the first land plants already had fungi associated with them. The first large organisms on Earth were these prototaxes, you know, 10-foot-tall mushroom bodies, it's a different way of looking at life itself. Is that hey, we're all we all benefit from each other. So if you respect that and realize that yes, there's these these interactions that that might help shape our identities, but really it's all predicated on helping each other. There appears to be a growing interest in mushrooms nationally and here in the Tetons. The popular Netflix documentary Fantastic Fungi and Michael Pollan's best-selling book How to Change Your Mind about the medicinal benefits of psilocybin may have something to do with that. And interest may have grown in the pandemic as more people began exploring wild places. I think it's kind of the part of the back to nature uh, thing with a lot of urban people that really want to get closer to nature. Well, you'll just look at the numbers of people that are going camping for the first time. I think it's just... A fascination with the oddities of nature. Social media has a lot to do with it. There's a gazillion mushroom sites. Mushrooms are good for your health, but consuming the wrong type can be dangerous. There were a few prominent mushroom poisonings just this year, and two people died from undercooked morels, cultivated overseas and eaten at a Bozeman sushi restaurant. Sinclair cautions foragers to be extra careful, too. There are old mushroom hunters. There are bold mushroom hunters, but there are no old, bold mushroom hunters. I don't consider myself an old or bold mushroom hunter, but I do love it, especially if it means a delicious meal afterwards. Just don't ask me to reveal my secret foraging spots. For KHOL, I'm Emily Cohen. (laughs) Here we go. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Jackson Unpacked from KHOL, where we showcase reporting and interviews on news, music, and culture in Jacksonville and around the Mountain West. New episodes of Jackson Unpacked drop every other Friday. 
wherever you get your podcasts. Jackson Unpacked is generously sponsored by the Snake River Sporting Club. At nearly 1,000 acres, this private western community accesses the Snake River and Bridger Teton National Forest. Not to mention a golf course, equestrian center, and fully functioning ranch. More information about excursions, amenities, and lifestyle at snakeriversportingclub.com. You're listening to Jackson Unpacked. I'm Tyler Pratt. The end of the year and the beginning of the next one is upon us. It's a time for family, friends, holiday parties, cozy fireplaces, and deep, heavy reflection on what your favorite music of the year was. Here at KQL, our music director, Jack Catlin, has spent weeks, months even, putting together the station's Music We Like, Best of 2023. Hi, Jack. Hi, Tyler. Well, you've been coordinating with staff, our volunteer DJs, to write music reviews and list our top tracks, getting album images, and putting together a massive playlist. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling a little tired. <laughs> I need to do some more stretches and uh, work on some breathing exercises, but I'm good. I uh, I recovered. It was a beast of a uh, undertaking, but came out the other side feeling refreshed and renewed and got to dive into a lot of great new music that even though I'm you know scouring and going to extreme lengths to compile all the best music of the year and uh, listening to a ton of it throughout the year, I love getting these lists and these um, write-ups from all of the other DJs because there's inev- inevitably stuff that I've missed or I haven't paid close enough attention to. So it's always great to get like the full spectrum of what everyone here is listening to and really geeking out to. Well, before we get into what the best music of the year was, I'm curious, how do you listen to music? For me, when I fall for something new, I just sort of obsess over it for a while. I spend weeks replaying an album and digging into an artist catalog. You get hit with so much new music all the time. How do you sort through? How do you fall in love with something? Uh, it's crazy because I listen to so much of it, and it's a big part of my job that I can literally, within five seconds, ten at the most, I can figure out if I like something or not. So, um, and that's kind of a necessity, a necessary evil, if you will, of my job, but it's given my ear a lot of training and, uh, been able to, if something doesn't hit me right away, then I pass on it. Um, so it has to hit me and then, you know, it starts an earworm process. If I, if I like it, I'll add it to my playlist during my shows, play it during my shows, and then I'll hear it like the full song while I'm playing it on the air. And then like it even more or maybe not like it as much as I thought I did. Yeah, then just starts a process of I want to hear that again. I want to hear that again. I want to hear that again. But I also I listen to a lot of stuff uh, based on mood. So when I'm listening at home or working on specific playlists for specific days, like Mondays, I'll try to make it more chill and more um, more easy on the listener. Everyone uh, is dealing with Mondays. Anyway, so I don't want to hit them over the head. So yeah, a lot of it is like, all right, I want to chill out. These are the these are the songs that I think fall into that category. These are the ones that pump me up, want me to attack the outdoor life that we love here so much in Jackson. So um, there's songs for that, and you know, there's all sorts of different moods and experiences you can enjoy with all of the different kinds of music. So what music did you like in 2023? I really loved this band Say Shishi is a uh, 
an all-female group, or a female forward group, I should say. Discodelic Funk is what they call themselves. Tearing up the dance floors. It's three female singers that are up front in on the uh, on the stage when they're performing, and they harmonize beautifully, and they all bring different things to the table. They uh, are similar to the likes of Liquid Liquid, Grace Jones, and Tom Tom Club, so like that post-disco sound. And I loved their last EP, Prism, from last year, so it was great to see their full length finally come out, and uh, I've been loving it. It's called Silver. What music has been pumping you up this year? You do the heavy warm-up, you get the jams going. So what's been a good pump-up song for you this year? In case you did not know, I am a big hip-hop nerd. So I actually, that was my first love in music, is hip-hop. So that's all I listened to from basically high school through college. So I'm well-versed in kind of that 90s golden era hip-hop. And when the Little Sims record drops... It just blew me away. I mean, Little Sims came out with a, a record last year or the year before, I forget, and blew me away just with the power of it. There's another track on the album called Gorilla that samples the same music that Jurassic 5 did back in the day. And then, But this one, especially for me, just gave me like goosebumps, made the hair raise on my neck, and it was just like, I need to hear that over and over and over again. No Mercy, Little Sims. Check it out if you haven't done so already. What were some of the top trends among staff and DJs for best music this year? What did you see kind of repeating itself? Um, there was some cool stuff. So a lot of people really gravitated towards kind of the more electronic dance floor friendly stuff like Roshan Murphy Hit Parade, um, which was entirely produced by DJ Cozy, an amazing producer. And uh, we had Sofia Cortesis on Ninja Tune Records and her album called Madres. It's dedicated to two people, her mother and the neurosurgeon who performed a life-saving operation on her mom. Oh, wow. So that was really cool to learn about when I was uh, researching that record. And um, you can hear it, the power of that sentiment in her music. A lot of people liked the new uh, Andre 3000 record, New Blue Sun. Andre 3000 shocked the world um, with a his first album in 17 years, which contained zero raps, zero rhymes, zero bars, but it contained a whole 87 minutes of tribal and transcendent flute playing. So it's like a minimalist experimental spa record from Andre 3000, which no one expected, but everyone seems to be enjoying. Um, I highly recommend it, turning that on maybe early in the morning or late at night and just zoning out. Drama, Till We Die, they, uh, they do a great job of blending R&B and electronic, and they're a big, big group that's on the meteoric rise, seemingly. I heard from a bunch of different people that they're the best band at Coachella. Yeah, you listed some stuff that was definitely on my top for the year. Uh, drama, Sofia Cortesis, Rasheed Murphy. I gotta say, for me, this is a big Beyonce year. I know she didn't drop her album this year, but she had the live tour. I got to go. I have just been following the visuals and the music and what she's done for the black and queer communities this year has just been an amazing Beyonce year. Can't wait to see that film. I'll also say this was a big pop diva year for me. I loved new stuff from Carly Rae Jepsen and Jesse Ware. Really dance heavy year for me. Also, Fred again had an amazing year as did Barry Can't Swim. And then something that I thought was just a real masterpiece was Travis Scott's Utopia album. Just the production and the amount of guest collabs on that album were just absolutely phenomenal. 
Jack, I got to ask though, got a lot of music nerds here at the <laughs> station. Were there any deep cuts that you want to highlight for, you know, the people just looking to find something completely undiscovered? So one of my top albums was a reissue, a uh, deluxe edition of one of my favorite underground hip hop albums from a Korean American based out of Queens, Cool Compete. And the album is called Lost, and the, the reissue contains a lot of bonus material, some um, unheard tracks, at least for me. Um, so that was really cool to dip back into that and kind of like touch on the nostalgia. It came out originally in 2005, and uh, it's getting a little more shine this year, so good to see that. And then a couple tracks I wanted to highlight from artists that came through Jackson, actually. Vor, V-H-O-O-R, all caps. And the track Olinda from his Mare EP, which came out right before he performed here at the Handfire Pizza. Shout out to Jeff Stein and the Something Else crew for bringing Vor here. Brazilian, only 26 years old, I believe, and an amazingly talented and exciting young producer that's been doing great, great things down in Brazil. It was one of his first times performing in North America, and it was right here in Jackson, so that was really cool. And then Nick Shoulders, which was really surprisingly amazing, kind of alt-country, originally from the Ozarks in Arkansas, but spent a lot of time in New Orleans in that alt-country scene, and Nick Shoulders' latest record is called All Bad, and the title track really hit home i got the chance to interview him and vor as well so you can check those interviews out on our website 891k2l.org okay well the best of playlists is on Spotify, and the whole rundown of Music We Like 2023 is on our website. That's 891khol.org. Jack, before we go, any predictions for music in 2024? Anyone else dropping a flute album? <laughs> I think you should expect the unexpected. I think just based on that Andre 3000 record, I feel like that 10 years from now is going to be like this landmark moment where it was like, there are no rules. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, I think we're going to see artists kind of doing whatever they want and doing unexpected things. So that's always interesting and exciting, especially when it really hits. It's like, take risks, do what you feel, and uh, the results are probably going to be great. So um, yeah, unexpected surprises is what I'm uh, predicting for next year. Nice. Expect the unexpected in 2024. Looking forward to the surprises. You're tuned to Jackson Impact. Pick me up even if I fall. Let love heal us all, us all, us all. Before we go today, one more story from KHOL this year, and one that really touched our hearts. Millions of refugees have left Ukraine since the war began, and some are seeking safety in Jackson and joining a growing Eastern European community in the region. KHOL's Hannah Mersbach spent time with one Ukrainian family who is acclimating to life in the Mountain West and their freedom baby who made it possible to keep them together and safe. Nestled between lush green hills and surrounded by sky-high sunflowers, Tamora Zizov sits on the back patio of a home south of Jackson. Dogs run and play in the yard near Game Creek. The serene summer scene is much different than what Zizov experienced in Ukraine for over a year. I think it's like 10 bombs, they drop it in our town. He says when his family first got here, they were often scared when they heard the sounds of planes overhead. Because 
for last year we like understand if you hear something in the sky you need hide somewhere Azizov and his family are from Khorostan, a small city close to the border with Belarus, a close Russian ally. They've been in Jackson for just a few months. Sometimes we dream about to come to the U.S., but like a tourist and not, not like this reason, you know. When you go somewhere when you don't want it, it's hard. But all in our minds, it's about our kids' and safety, our kids' safety. But it was near impossible to leave Ukraine with his family. The country is under martial law as the war rages on. Here's his cousin, Inez Brunson, who he's living with now. So men between the ages of 18 and 60 aren't legally allowed to leave the country. They're supposed to stay and fight. At first, Azizov's wife and two young kids went to Poland, but he couldn't get across the border. They were separated for two months. But they went back in and then found out that a loophole is that if he was a man that had three children of his own lineage. So that's why we have a five-month-old living with us right now. Bronson says they're called freedom babies. And according to Azizov, having a third child has helped many Ukrainian families escaping the war stay together. Like, uh, we have two kids. We think about third. So if, if that can, like, save our family too... For me, it's uh, more population of Ukrainian people. <laughs> Once their third child, Olivia, was born, there were still many challenges to getting to the U.S., like days of travel across Eastern Europe, only with a couple of small suitcases. And Azizov's cousin, Inez Brunson, says it took about 15 pages of paperwork per family member to help get them over. Our extended family had to pay for their tickets here, several thousand dollars for all of them to get over here. She says they had a lot of relatives in Ukraine who they were trying to help get out. And it was a bit easier at the start of the war. The first wave of family were able to come here completely free to our expense because there were so many donations. This second round was definitely a bit different because people stopped caring, people stopped donating. Azizov and his family aren't the only Ukrainian refugees in Jackson right now. His aunt, Olga Needham, says there are about 20 of them who all came over because they have family in the region. And they're joining a growing community of Eastern Europeans, like many Moldovans and Romanians, who've come for summer jobs and end up staying, as many Jackson businesses rely on tourism and are constantly in need of workers. But Needham says Eastern Europeans didn't always flock here. I was first 27 years ago. <laughs> Needham was born in Kyrgyzstan. She spent 12 years traveling the world as a trapeze artist and then came to Jackson to teach gymnastics. Why'd she say? Oh, just life, husband, <laughs> kids. My daughter was born here. Job and beauty remind me Kyrgyzstan. Yeah, mountain, yeah, so similar. Her daughter, 26-year-old Inez Brunson, says growing up in one of the most remote areas of the U.S., her family stood out people called me the Russian and um, it wasn't like necessarily incorrect because my mom is half and half which made the war really weird she's half Ukrainian half Russian and now she and her mom have a full house so my husband said next time we buy one bedroom home I'm like, okay <laughs> there's currently nine people living in the five-bedroom house upstairs Azizov's two older kids share a bedroom with his mother Olga Needham's sister who also came over from Ukraine she sleeps on a cot in the corner. 
And they're living with a lot of dogs, too. Somebody tell me, six dogs, six refugees. It's dog therapeutic for each member family. Yeah. Azizov has been working at the Jackson Hole Airport for a car rental company, sometimes 15-hour days. He's a photographer by trade, but says he's just doing what he needs to for his family. And he wants a more permanent housing situation, but says most places in the area are too expensive. He may consider moving to Idaho Falls and doing the two-hour commute to Jackson. So I think, okay, if, if another people can do it, why I'm not? need to wake up early. Another barrier, his wife and kids don't speak English, and it's been hard getting the children into schools. But, as he's often his aunt say, the first and third graders will just have to learn the language. Without English, it's very hard, but they hopefully they catch faster. You know. They have a choice. <laughs> like they, they need to do this. Jackson residents have helped the family, donating clothes and toys for the kids. Churches and nonprofits have given them gift cards for groceries and gas. And Azizov's aunt recently held a fundraiser at a local dance studio. That money went towards getting them a car. Azizov says he's hopeful the war will end and the family will be able to return to Ukraine soon. But for now... This is beautiful. Everybody's smiling. <laughs> Everybody say hi, you know, and... Uh, it's nice. It's it's different, like and but we understand it's safety, fresh air. <laughs> Surrounded by the sounds of aspens blowing in the wind, Azizov's two older kids jump on a trampoline. They're no longer afraid of the planes that fly overhead, and five-month-old Olivia sleeps soundly, cradled in a stroller. Azizov says growing their family was just another way to adjust to life. Every time after. Wars, every time start the baby boom. It's every time happening. So we started a little bit early. <laughs> Hannah Mersbach, KHL News. That's it today on Jackson Unpacked. Original music for the show is performed by the local band Strum Bucket. I'm Tyler Pratt, and this is KHL Jackson. Jackson.